Hello, welcome to episode number 197 of the Apple Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable, private, online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online for free. And you can start your seven-day free trial by entering the code word Apolog by going to betterhelp.com slash Apolog. And I'd like to thank all my Amazon shoppers for shopping on Amazon, my Amazon shopping friends. You can sh- help the show out by going to applelog.ca slash Amazon or applelog.ca slash US Amazon. You can do the old-fashioned way by going to the homepage, which is applelog.ca. And click on the banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether you're from Canadians, the USAs, or the UKs. Bookmark those links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop and support the show. Cost you no extra money. I'd like to thank everybody for helping me out with Patreon. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to buy a t-shirt or buy some music, go to applelog.ca slash shop. And on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash applelogpod. Follow me on Twitter at simonhead666. Today on the show, I have one of my favorite friends, one of my favorite people on earth. His name is Greg Bolton. He's a project manager. He does other things within the music business. He used to play in an old a band years and years ago called Motion Picture Ending. And we just gigged, did a gig today, actually, today being Sunday. We played in somebody's backyard, and that was fun. It was fun to do. And so everybody, please welcome my friend, Greg Bolton, a returning guest on the Applaud Podcast. How's it going, Daddy? It's going, man. How about you? Um, I got the Persian show blues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that that's healthy. Well, right? it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's work. I love it. It's 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 the best job I ever had. But it's like, you 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 deal with artists, and then you deal with artists who do like shows like once every other year. Oh shit! Okay. And it's like, guys, it's mayhem probably right. Okay, so imagine this: you got like twelve people playing traditional Iranian or Middle Eastern instruments. You've had a meeting in April about the show. And then you have this meeting that happens for an hour in April about what's going to happen. Then sort of as you carry on a little bit longer along, you're saying, oh, so what instruments? Well, we have got to get work visas together for people who are coming from other countries. And it might happen, but we might have to cancel the show. But anyways, here's the sort of general idea. And then meeting, 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 meeting. And then you start saying, well, the show's in a couple of weeks. We should probably get this shit together. Meeting, 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 meeting. Okay, stage plot. Figured out two days before the show meeting quick phone call a few emails today is the show band comes in going no i'm not sitting here <laughs> <laughs> and their and their manager is the one that gave you the plot and everything yeah well no oh, the lead amazing. singer the lead singer was the one that made the plot with me that's so, amazing so i was like i was i say my blood pressure is so high right now i'm so pissed off <laughs> What so a fucking pain in the ass because it, it 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 just that well that's that's the 
the nature of a musician. Absolutely. Right? That's to a T. If you're going to give it one, uh, one anecdote of a musician, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. He, yeah. Because that, that musician probably told the lead singer at one point, this is a great setup. I love this. Yeah. I can't wait. And then as soon as they got to the Western Hemisphere, they probably were it like, well, sucks. no, hold on a second. This yeah. is fucked. I'm over here. I don't like so it. So when you set the three vocal mics and the monitor mix and whatever, the everything's set up in different spots, they go, well, I want to sit over here. So one person moved. I'm like, okay, nobody else can move until the lead singer gets here. Once the lead singer gets here, we'll figure this out because nobody's moving. Because we've had meetings, meetings and meetings and lots of meetings about this. Right. So so we're going you know, to wait till this person shows up. So I call this person. She's like, I've just got three tickets. I've been pulled over by the police. I, got, I can't talk right now. The police got me pulled over. I'm like, oh, crap. Three <laughs> tickets? How three do you get tickets. three tickets at once? Went through a red, uh, stop signing me, um, no insurance, and something else. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another, that's pretty typical for a musician, by the way, too. That's another musician trait, traveling without insurance, going through right, stoplight signs and stuff. So it was one of those days you're like, okay, well, nobody's going to move. And you're not doing anything until this person shows up. So she shows up and she goes, yeah, this is the way it is. Why is that person over there? And I said, oh, because she said she wanted to be over there. No, 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 she can't be there. <laughs> so I was like, well, we've already moved her over there. We're going to leave her there for now. Yes, you exactly. Know? So it really like, hurt the feng shui of no, what's no. happening. The voice, the the voice of reason showed up after three, par- three, three speeding tickets and whatever, or three tickets from the cops and, and like super frazzled. You know? So I felt bad for her because she's like putting on the show. She's promoting it. Oh, she's also promoting she, it. It's her show. She's oh, the main Jesus. singer. Um, and, and she's just sitting there like nervous as all fuck. Like, oh my God, I got to do the show now. So I'm like trying to comfort him. I'm like, just don't be nervous. This is going to be great. You're going to be fine. She's like like ready to cry. I'm like, oh, Oh my God. I feel so bad. And then uh, she started. You could tell, like, she goes out and you could tell her voice is like, oh, Jesus. And then after a couple of tunes, she was sort of figured it out. She's back into it again. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I felt, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting day today. But uh, that's a bit different than the U of T days, right? York days. Yes. Pardon me, the York days. Absolutely. Well, York had those moments too. York has a lot of moments where it's like uh, you spend all day rehearsing and a guy shows up with a bongo going, hey, where's my mic? And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> I brought my bongo. Good thing, good thing I had this patch list already ready to go here. <laughs> good thing we've used 42 channels of a 40-channel <laughs> console. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good so, stuff. Yeah, so how about you, man? How have you, how you been? Uh, I'm busy. Life, life's, mm-hmm. life's crazy. Um, but it's good, you know? Mm-hmm being you know you know how it is you're working and being a dad and then trying to also have a life outside of all those things is impossible but yeah it's, it is what it is i'm uh i wouldn't trade it to be honest with you mm-hmm. work being busy is actually a good thing you know it sounds a lot of people bitch about you know work being busy and everybody's busy and busy 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 but for if you weren't then you probably wouldn't have a job and he'd be scrounging around looking for a job and it would be much more stressful to look for a job than it would be to just finish the work you're doing. Totally. It's easier to be, yeah, it's easier to complain about being busy and it's nicer. The result's like, oh God, I'm just so busy. <laughs> exactly. And you know what though, and, and this is super cliche, but at the end of the day, like it goes by much faster. Like your week, it goes by faster. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. As you're you're busting your balls all all day, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, whoa, Jesus! It's like way past the time I wanted to be here till. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Peace out, and then you know, let's do it all over again, and then the weekend comes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My weekends are still working, so I'm still working on weekends, and I'm taking Mondays and Thursdays or whatever off at times. 
Um, so for me, my weekends aren't really there yet because in the summer, some of the most troubled clients are shows on the weekends. So, right. So I have to kind of be there to, to sort of like soften the blow. But you're not there for the whole gig though, right? No. You're just there for the, no. maybe the first act or whatever. Well, I'm there yeah. until the, till the doors, I'm there until the first note is struck mostly. And then I am a ghost. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But at least you're the, you're a face, right? Cause, yeah, cause yeah. you're the first point of contact generally, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, everybody's sort of like, uh, it's a different world. You know what I mean? Like now there's a lot of preemptive fixing rather than like, how are we going to get around this? You know what I mean? Like we're sort of fixing things a few weeks out rather than dealing with on the day well and you're so used to having a problem and then jimmy rigging something to make it happen yeah the day of the show not yeah. so much oh wow i I can actually take my time yeah. and figure out <laughs> how i can fix this issue before it happens yeah everything is a, a compromise when you have to fix it on the fly you know exactly. at least you have a conversation and then you say oh well this is going to be this is going to be what the ramifications of this change are going to be, you know, and, and yeah. they usually get along and everything's okay. But the also thing is when, when there's a, a, a an issue during a, a show day, it's very small compared to what it could be, you know, like the whole right. part of the job is to make like little, mis little problems, not escalate into huge problems. Cause that's what usually happens. Like it's like this little problem and all of a sudden escalates into the most, like show stopping, like, Oh my God, we can't do this. Like I quit, right. you know? And then, and then, so these problems are now a little fewer far between. So they're less and more manageable. So that's to me, I find rewarding. That's the rewarding part of the job is that, you know, you're not, not dealing with bullshit right away. You're, you're, you're there on show day, making sure everybody's happy. And then yeah. they say, thank you. And then you can go home. Yeah. For for what for for the first time in a very long time, I'm sure that's absolutely. Like I, yeah. I think I've said this, but having my own schedule, making my own schedule, is the most liberating, um, amazing feeling. That oh, I'm not sort of a slave to this, um, this timeline, you know, or this how things are going to go. I can work around what's happening and still carry on a normal life. Like this band that we're in, I don't think I could even have time to do that if I wasn't if I was in the other positions, you know, I, I completely agree because you'd be every night basically. Hmm. And then you'd have your whatever random Tuesday, Wednesday nights off, but you'd be, you know, what time, what time did you used to have call at usually? Would it, would it be one o'clock on a show day? Uh, yeah. Depending but between on one and show? two and usually yeah. out the door by 11. But I mean, for instance, today we were supposed to practice, but I basically knew I was going to clock out at five or six and I was going to be where we're going to be you know, there was still an opportunity that I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. I can do these things and then I can move on and do other things. Like playing a show is not such a big ordeal now. Right. You can, you can book your, your time around doing the show, rehearsing for the show, whatever, whatever. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, are you like, are you officially AD? Is that the, is that the, the, your business card title? At my, this point? my business card title is, uh, what is it? Um, Manager of backstage services. It's interesting. Uh, yes, interesting. Especially when you put the word services. In services. There. Manager. Manager of backstage services, or coordinator of backstage services. One of those two. Pick one. I like coordinator. It sounds better. I like the coordinator because manager is just so hoity-toity. You yeah. have to go in with a tie most days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a golf shirt. Business. Golf shirt. Business. What's yes. they call it? Business casual. Business casual, yeah. How many how many pairs of khakis do you own? I have no pairs of khakis, Greg Bolton. None of them, none of them can say Dickies on them. By the way, they uh, they, they have to be 
right from Dockers or any of those uh, Banana Republic yeah. style. Yeah, or that's Mark's Work Warehouse. Mark's, Mark's Work Warehouse. Yeah. yeah, those were the George Ware from Walmart. Walmart, yes. Actually, Joe Fresh, I will say, as as somebody who has to go to work uh, business casual, mm. Joe Fresh is your friend because it looks like it is nice, but you don't pay nice prices. For yes, it. and you can good. get a tub of ice cream at, or, the, same at the same time and drown exactly. your sores with ice cream. Exactly, but I have to wear <laughs> business casual to work every day. Yes, exactly. I tell you, though, I rock the uh, I rock the Wheeler Walker Jr. shirt, and I laugh my ass off when people are like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, he's oh, a country artist. He's really good. <laughs> check him out. He's on iTunes. <laughs> you got to be careful who you say that to, though, right? Because you might a lose fuck. a whole bunch of credi- credibility once you say, <laughs> and if they oh, say, he's a fantastic country artist. He's amazing. He's true. He's true to life. And uh, yeah, he gives no Fs. Um, <laughs> It's not a lie that that it is straight up country. There's no lie about there that is part. No. Of it. no, the other part about it being you know authentic country is a different story. Absolutely. Unless you spelled it without the U, that is, <laughs> that's that's how that should, that's how that should go. Yeah, yeah, I I do. It's so funny because yeah, I I think people would forget, but if they did listen to it and and came back to me, I go, oh no no, that's different. It's different. It's it's a. Uh... <laughs> Wheeler, you must have, yeah, you must have uh, Wheeler Walker Senior, his Senior's dad. He dad. was, he was, he's yeah, way more that's true. the guy I like. Yeah, I like that's the guy I like Junior. Oh, he, oh, he's, he's a, a dirty a potty mouth. mouth. He's a <laughs> mouthy Sunday. Yeah, but it said Junior so, on your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you read it wrong. Don't worry about it. Um, t- talk to me about uh, your first in a long time bass guitar up on a big stage in front of thousands of people gig. Tell me how that felt. Uh, it felt, it felt pretty good, man. Like it was great. I, uh, I was nervous though. Like, cause I took my family and my kids, you know, over there and they hadn't really seen me play in that capacity. I think they saw me once in like 2012 when I played in a club in, in Ajax and they came and hung out and watched that playing in a punk rock band kind of thing. Yeah. So it was a definitely like, there was a lot, <clears throat> lot going on and there was a lot to, uh, take in and, and you know what? It, it was actually way more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Like, I really? thought, I thought it would be really tense with, because, you know, with the Wilkinsons, there's lots of family, there's lots of people in general. And then the, the, the crowd size of Entourage was quite small, because that's the hard to manage part, you know, when you're trying to deal not just with the band, but the tour managing, but the production. And just the proximity to the stage, like being closer to the stage was way better than having to run half a kilometer out to front of house kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like Phil, as you're trying to walk them on, you're also sprinting back to front of house. Feel yeah. closer to be closer to the action a bit. So you, were you still, you were still in the tour managed role yeah. during that gig? Was yeah. that, was that difficult to put both hats on? Cause you still have to think about playing the notes, but then you also still had to do all of the things to prepare yourself to get there. I, I practiced almost every day for like a month. So I had the songs and, you know, locked in. So I didn't have to work. And I knew specifically what you were saying there that, yeah, having to deal with the stress of dealing with, with, you know, you know, stage people and microphones and, and sound check and all this stuff that I knew that I would have to have one of those completely locked in, you know what I mean? And right. And so the music part I could handle cause I could actually play. And I did, I played every day and I actually went and bought a bass. I see that it's in behind you there. It's beautiful. Bad boy back there. Ernie Ball, right? Yeah, it's actually Beauty. a music man, but it's an Indonesian. It's a stingray. It's like a cheaper version of it. 
Sexy looking, but though. it is a beautiful bass, and I got it used, so I got a really good deal on it. Nice. I was expecting to buy uh, one of these Yamahas that were like, um, you know, medium entry level bass prices, <laughs> mm. and, and I got, I was like, so like, I just walked in and went, holy shit, look at this thing! It's a Music Man. I was wanted one, so I, I played it, and it was like six hundred bucks. Like, that's that's a really good deal. Yeah. So and like, it probably plays like. Two thousand bucks. It right? plays like, it like yeah, nice. it plays. It feels really nice, and I think that's the one thing. Like I've really, I was just like figuring this out. Like I, I've only bought like four bases in my whole life. Yeah. Yet I've played bass since I was ten years old. Right. So, so yeah, I, that Warwick you've had forever, right? Was it yeah. Warwick? The big, no, it's the uh, BC I, Rich. I have the BC, BC Rich, Rich and I've had that since nineteen ninety two, and I've played on so many things with that, and I've done so many tours with it, and other people have played on it, and it's actually been on like rock videos. It was on the Avril Lavigne video with Mark wow. Spicolak was playing bass on the complicated video. That's, it's, oh, that's your bass. That's that bass, yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to tell everybody I know, I know that bass guitar. I keep saying that bass is more famous than me. That's that's. Hey, the, it, you know what? You should start selling t-shirts with your bass guitar on it <laughs> and just, just start doing a tour with just the bass sitting there. He'll <laughs> sign autographs. He'll yeah. sign autographs. He's, no, he's not signing autographs. Oh, he's, he's not a, signing He's, he's a bass for Christ's sake. He's not doing anything. No, he doesn't want, he doesn't want a tour? No, he's not Poor guy. He's that. been on the road enough. Good for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of playing the show was like, I was like, it was great. I mean, like Justin is probably one of my favorite drummers to play with because he's very meat and potatoes. He's locked in, and always he's locked completely in. locked in, and he's always consistently some. You know what I mean? Doing something. Yes, exactly. He's you, not. You know, you know where he's going to be at all times. Yes, he's very. He's very good at that part of it. Yes. yes, and I've heard him play, and I've mixed him playing. I don't know, fifty times, maybe forty times. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of know where he's gonna go. So it felt like I was already like had an advantage. So is it is it more difficult though because you have maybe I think, but you haven't mixed Wilkinson's gigs, but you've mixed Small Town Pistols gigs. Mm -hmm. Was that the hard part? Because I feel like you could go into the Pistols gig and do it with your eyes closed because you could. <laughs> I mean, you mixed those songs for. It's been what five years now? Yeah, You've almost five around? years. Yeah, well, four so... years because they took a year off. But yeah, yeah, it's been five. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, I think, um, I think the Pistols are more of like an image. Like, as goes for musicians, they would probably, you know, get somebody who's not me. You know what I mean? Because they, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's like kind of, kind of young and sassy. I think they have like to have young they, and sassy. The young members. and sassy. Yeah, in their band. And uh, you had um, Greg playing guitar for you guys. Greg Keys. I saw, I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw him play. I saw a, a couple of videos of it. Yeah, that guy can freaking wail, man. Yeah, he was great. And I, I didn't realize, like, you know, he's really easy to work with, too. Like, he, he sort of, I do tell you, though, I must say, and I, he was, during the rehearsal, he was the loudest guy in the room. Like, I was kept but, saying. Well, he's a guitar player. It's unbelievably loud. It's like, <laughs> really, dude? It's like, could you just turn down? I can't hear anything. Like, I can't hear even myself think. <laughs> maybe it's the old guy of me talking it, it probably well it's the bass player in you now yeah, right? yeah, like yeah you gotta yeah. think about that the, the, it's, it's there's a big there's a whole new world now being the bass player in the yeah. band everybody's too loud at this point right <laughs> come on guys i'm trying to play play along here <laughs> <laughs> i gotta hit two and four yeah guys one, just i two, need to hear where those are gonna make it <laughs> yeah yeah no but we got another one coming up uh in september and, uh, and you're are you gonna you're gonna play bass for that too? Sure am. And we nice. actually we had to get a different drummer, and we had to get a, a different guitar player because um, <clears throat> Tyler told everybody the wrong date. 
So nice. Uh, yeah, okay. that, that was the wrong. Where, uh, where is the one in September? Is this the one at West? It, no, it's it's actually in Oshawa. It's like a benefit show. It's like uh, one of these like uh, hoity-toity um, dinner, you know, real expensive like benefit dinner show kind of thing. And the Wilkinsons are the 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 band. So uh, yeah, that's the one that counts because you know you play you know uh, Havelock Country Jamboree. People are like, hey, fucking rides, woo! Who yeah, cares? yeah, exactly. But now Those there's sitting down eating their three thousand yeah. dollar plate dinner or whatever yeah, it is. I think I heard a clam. <laughs> did you hear that, Muffy? <laughs> I did. Did Winston? he play G sharp on I that? Believe, I can't believe that. I think they originally did this in the key of G. <laughs> hmm. He must be getting old. Hmm. Very true, indubitably. <laughs> Monocles. Well, you, you're you're in my you're in my backyard though. When is that? When is the date? Uh, the fifteenth September. 15th? Windreach right. Farms, man. You want to come hang? I kind of do. Yeah, you do. My uh, food's that's gonna be Ty's, uh, Is that Ty's anniversary? I don't know. I think that's his anniversary day. Food's gonna be delicious. Hell yeah! Apparently, okay. it's like three thousand dollars a plate. And oh, have... I told you that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know around. where I heard that from, but somewhere someone told me it's three thousand dollars food. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you know what's yeah, going you come on. In. I don't know. Sure, buddy. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't run the show. I, I need someone to go like, "Hey, me, towel, go. Good job, man. Yeah, man. And slap you on the butt. So if something something falls over, I need you to come in low. Come in low you like a come ninja. Come in low fast. Yeah, exactly. I I love I love going to shows nowadays after doing like the stage stuff for so long. And and just watching the stage hands, how okay. fast and how fantastic they can move. Because, yeah. you know, I like to ask my wife sometimes, "Hey, did you see that guy?" And when she says no, I mean, I want to go give that guy a high five because yeah. that that entire something fell over. He picked it up and moved it off stage so nobody would trip on it, and you didn't even notice him, which is <laughs> pretty badass. Did you so, ever see the uh, video of Steve Ray Vaughan playing? He breaks a string. Yes, and the and his his tech comes out in the middle of the solo and gives him the guitar, yep. puts it over his head, plugs it in at the same. Yeah, it's phenomenal. That's amazing. Like that's that's I can't do that. No, no, absolutely not. But the, but like that's why those kind of guys stay with the artist. Well, obviously not anymore, mm -hmm. but stay mm -hmm. with the artist for so long. Like the the dude that that is Edge's guitar tech, I think has been his tech since. I don't know if it was right from the beginning, but yeah. I think from at least Joshua Tree, he was there. I know why, because nobody knows how to turn his amp on. <laughs> That's why. Which one of these is yeah. the on button? Not that one. Not that one. That's the self-destruct button. But <laughs> That's so nobody knows any of the combinations of delays. What's the it's one? self-destruct. What's that button that makes it go baka 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 That's the baka baka. It just takes too long to ramp up a new guy. So he's just like, you know what? I'm in a wheelchair. Just let me do this till the edge is also in a wheelchair. And then we're good to go. I got a good guitar tech story. Actually, I was Kim Mitchell's guitar tech for a few shows like fucking 15, almost 20 years ago now. But I was, so I, the very first gig, my buddy Gord Adams got me the gig because he was doing monitors. And this guy, Bruno, who, who was their front of house guy, was also a guy I knew. So I came in, I'm like, yeah, it'd be fun to hang out. So I had to do, set up Kim Mitchell's guitar rig. But the guy who I was replacing, like subbing out for one day, he never marked any of the cables. And there was like this loom of cables going to this pedal board, <laughs> all going back to the amp. And I didn't know what one of them did. So we're like in Sarnia doing some tall, whatever, under the bridge festival thing, like whatever, Glass yeah. Tigers playing. And it's of like, <laughs> so, so, <clears throat> so Kim Mitchell and I are like somehow, like I said, I was, once I realized this was a problem. So we took his amp before we set it up on stage. I'm like, so Kim Mitchell and I were sort of backstage trying to make his amp work. 
So, so you we gotta be kidding me. So if you sitting there with the thing, I'm like, anything yet? Nope. And finally, it started working. We fucking high fived, and then I marked everything with tape, and I marked it with a sharpie. So tomorrow, I'm gonna set this up, and I won't have to worry about what goes where. Right, right, right. So I did like two shows, and then the guy came back and did the next couple of shows, and he's like, um, it made made this guy Bruno laugh because he's like, what's all this tape on here for? <laughs> Like, well, you didn't know where anything went. Well, pff, come on. So how do you, you, not, how do you not know where these 30 patch cables yeah. go to? And they were all black patch cables. And then one of them, <laughs> one of them was a speaker line. And I can only assume okay, that that's was, the easy one. That's the yes. pedal, the channel changer. That's the only thing yeah. I knew what that was. But <laughs> such a such a colossal waste of time. I think I've told you my uh I've done a few guitar gigs. I think I haven't said this one in a while. My Bill Priddle story from Treble Charger, where Somehow, I was supposed to do sound on this tour, but they said, no, no, we need a guitar tech more, so do you do guitars? And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, same pay, I don't give a fuck. So, you know, I'm closer to where all the beer is, and I really don't care, and I, I'm not proud, but who cares? So so we start rehearsal in Vancouver, and Bill Priddle goes to me, he goes, in this song, I want you to take a piece of gum and put it in my mouth. I'm like, what? What? Like, you want me to put gum in your mouth? Like, you can't put gum in your mouth? You can't just fucking grab a piece of gum and put it in your mouth? No, no, it's really important that you put this gum in my mouth. I like to miss you. And I'm, I'm not putting gum in your mouth. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you fire me right now. I'm not putting gum in your mouth. That's sick. That's brutal. And it's petty. Can't put gum in your mouth? So at the end of this tour, the whole thing, the, the, uh, the, um, at the end of the tour, Bill Priddle had like a 1965 SG Junior, like beautiful guitar. Oh yeah, and he had like an original Tubes blonde bassman guitar amp with a 212. So everybody's like at the end of the sh- end of the tour, and everybody's like pushing over stuff and making a mess. And Bill like goes to like put, tip over his guitar. He's like, I'm not gonna tip my amp over. And he goes looks at his guitar. He goes, I'm not breaking my guitar. So he just took his pedal board and just tipped it upside down. <laughs> Like, that's all I can do. I'm not. That's it. That's that's again. That's a guitar player 101 right there. I don't want to wreck anything that I have right yeah, here. This is all I'm like gonna really expensive. Like, yeah, everything is really expensive. I don't. I'm just gonna <laughs> pretend like I'm a badass at this this exact moment. Yeah. But oh, I, I got another Bill Priddle story. Oh my God, they're coming out. Bill Priddle. So, hey, before before you do the story, yeah. I heard them on the radio today. As strange as that sounds. Oh wow. I don't know how they were. Yeah. Um, American Psycho. American Psycho. Yeah. There you go. Which is weird because. It's I haven't all, heard anything from them in forever. Kind of ting, ting, ting. That's all coming together now. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no. The interesting story is I, I had an interview with Michael Beinhorn, who produced Soul Asylums with Runaway Train and everything. Oh, yeah. And two minutes, I'm driving up to do the interview in my car, and I come down here, Runaway Train's on the radio. No way. Yeah, yeah. So I came down, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm talking to the guy that produced that song. That's amazing. So another Bill Priddle story. That's a good tune, by we're, the way. We're, yeah, it is a great train. Great train. Great song. Um... <laughs> So we're at Mount Tremblant playing outside in the winter at like some big snowboard air thingy sponsored by probably Mike's Hard Lemonade or something. And uh, so we're playing the show and everybody's sort of dressed up like snow people because they've been on the slopes and Trouble Charger come out in their indie rock um, attire, except for Rosie. Rosie had tight ski pants on, which I thought was fucking <laughs> hilarious. You know, the ones that flare out. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the tight ones. So anyways, uh, they're playing along and somebody grabs a piece of snow and throws it at their buddy and they go, ha ha ha. And then somebody throws it back and cut to a minute later, there's snowballs. Like it's a snowball fight. Oh yeah. Between the two sides of the audience. 
so then I was realized, oh, let's just throw down the band. So they're throwing snowballs at the band, and Bill's like got his expensive guitar, expensive amp. Yeah. And he yells down the mic. He goes, what is wrong with you people? Have you no minds? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure like 10,000 drunk idiots are going to really respond to, okay. Have you no minds? Look at Edgar Allan Poe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you no minds? Uh, but what do you do? I, I, funny, again, another tie in story. We just tie in his stories on, on, of course, Facebook today. I saw, I think it's a Woodstock anniversary. I think mm-hmm. it's the like the ninety four Woodstock yeah, anniversary yeah, yeah. would be whatever, however many years I don't want to add right now. But um, and Green Day, I don't remember. You know if you remember? <gasps> oh Green Day yeah, when they come around and they had the mud fight, the mud fight. Yeah. And so I can just imagine. Well, I mean Billy Billy Joe's guitar wasn't nineteen whatever you said sixty eight. It was just SP. Billy Joe uh, Stratocaster. It's just Billy Joe Stratocaster. Yeah, yeah. So that didn't matter. And also they're a punk rock band. But like I can't imagine being a guitar player thinking about. You're playing your number one, and then people are hucking shit, like hucking ice-filled, dirty-ass snowballs at your millions of dollars worth of equipment in your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he. And, then, uh, but, and that's that's probably the the most the most calm reaction you can have is to yeah. say, "Have you no mind?" When I was watching, um, it's a good I, song title. When I was watching uh, that part of Green Day at Woodstock. I was in Chicago and we were staying at Jughead's house from uh, Screeching Weasel. Oh yeah. He used to put us up when I was on tour with Red Fisher. And that was 90 was was that 92 I thought. Had What's to be up? around 92 93. So I'm watching this and he's standing up standing up looking at the TV, you know, and he's looking at this thing going shaking his head like what the what's happening? Like what do you think about all this? He goes I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think about this. And um, Mike Dirt got tackled because they thought he was like one of the one of the. Oh yeah, because the crowd bum rushed the stage, right? Yeah, so they thought yeah. he he got completely. And it's like his shoulder got dis disconnect dis dislocated or something in that. <laughs> really, I didn't know that part. And then they played Letterman like a couple of days later, and Billy Joe's guitar amp still had the big piece of mud down Amazing. the front of the of the of the mesh. So he kept. So it. so I, I've been doing math in my head and just realized that. It would have been '98, the Woodstock. Wouldn't that make it? Uh, that was the second one. That was point? one with the fire. That was the one that. That was oh, with the break stuff, if you will. Yeah, that was too hot. It wasn't. It was too. Wasn't too rainy. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. Yes, the uh, yeah, the one that happened before would have been. I thought it was like '92, because I was in Red Fisher in '92, '93. Might have been '94. I don't remember, but it was. Might have been. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was like twenty-four years ago. Wow, <clears throat> my my brain doesn't work that. I can't. I can't remember. Wait, I can just like do that. this on the Google machine here. Hold on a second. I'll tell you exactly. I was already. I was already ahead of you. I was trying to. I was trying to be smart without Woodstock. saying that I was actually googling something. Woodstock, uh, nineteen ninety. Oh, I made it to sixty nine. It was nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was the, that was the one Green Day got pelted. Yes. Yeah. I was in Red Fisher ninety four. There you go. There you Look go. At that. There does does Red Fisher have a have a Wikipedia page? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's like check. Fisher like the bird? <laughs> or Bobby Fisher? No, Red Fisher was the commentator. Wasn't he the um the sports commentator? Uh okay. Or is Red Fisher band? Uh thinking. Nope. No. No. Nope. Fuckers. <laughs> no, 
buy. We could make one right now. You could you could easily make one yeah. right now. My buddy Kyle would go on the Trouble Charger um, Wikipedia and change it. <laughs> like just 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 random the just worst randomly. things possible you could really? say about people. Yeah, he didn't really like Trouble Charger that much. But there, uh, I think that Wikipedia has a police force, don't they? That they that they like they can go on and ban you. Yeah. Because you have to, like, I think you have to sign up to change shit, right? You yeah, but everybody used to be able to do it. Like, I don't know if they can do it now, but it used to be, when it first kind of came out, you used to be able to do your own do your own thing. And I did one for, like, my, my band, my Foursquare band, and they thought I was advertising, so I got banned. I was like, no, no, I'm uh-huh. just putting our bio in. This is, <laughs> this is the bio for, that we had written for this album, and I'm doing one for the record. But it was like, no, you can't do that. Apparently, you're, you're advertising. Really? Yeah. Oh, and nice. and now now Foursquare stole your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm okay with that. This is not a really good name for a band, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can you uh, do you have any uh, explanation? This is the thousand dollar question. Hmm. What is the origin of Foursquare? Well, Foursquare was that game that used to play in public school, mm-hmm. and it was one of my favorite games to play ever. And when we put the band together, a lot of number bands were like making it big, like Sum Forty One. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, 311. Uh, <laughs> you can just keep going and going and going. There's so point. many of them. So yeah. we actually were going to be called Three Speed, which now is this one of my favorite beers of all time, actually, this Amsterdam yes. Three Speed. It's delicious, it's good man. good stuff. It is oh, delicious. Yeah. You're really right. good, yeah. So uh, we were going to be called Three Speed, but we were called, before that, all that, we were called Doug. And uh, <laughs> Robin Black, I love him, he says to uh, Trevor, who played... Ironically enough, from Triple Charger, he goes, "Why are you called the nerd from high school?" <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. And now yeah. was that was that the actual origin? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, nice. Yeah. So that's we called amazing. it. We started changing. That's how we sort of started changing the name because we were called after the nerd in high school. Like, that's yeah, amazing. Makes sense. Robin Black came up with that. Did you did you did you pay out the the nerd from high school? No. For using his name? No, no, no. Oh, I don't know geez, why I called it Doug. I don't know why I called it Doug. I actually play some shows as Doug too. Like I. I had this big idea that I was going to franchise the band and I was going to write all the songs and I was going to put sub bands together in every city I could. So when I toured, all I'd have to do is um, just go drive there and they'd be practiced up and I would just go and fucking play and the shows and save money. And they'd be local heroes so people would come and see them. So it was like a win, win, win. So I did interesting. it. That's I, an interesting I, look. Yeah, I tried it. I tried it for, and I put a band together with in Vancouver. This is the first branch. Was uh, Brent Belke, Dave Reese from SNFU. Those two of SNFU. I think recently at that point I just quit SNFU. Um, remember that band Limb Lifter? Yeah. The bass player from Limb Lifter. Yeah. And we practiced in Gabe from Gob's basement. So we had this sort of crazy, weird group and went and played like somewhere in Vancouver. And that's where I met some, a few friends of mine for the first time. This guy, Casey Armstrong, who's a photographer. And yeah, yeah. So it was just with this weird, like, that's what I'm going to do. It's going to be a fun thing to do. And, and it really didn't, you know what I mean? Like music is such a, such a beast, such a bitch. The, the idea is there. But the I idea think you'd, there. Ha- you'd have to be, the, the genre of music would have to be more along the lines of like Bruce Springsteen style yeah. on the rock and roll side. Yeah. Or obviously country is very leans very easily to that country does just, that i mean god that's sort of having a pickup band anywhere in the world is sort of a it's a thing now i mean like everybody it is a thing now. That, yeah but you notice you do notice though that the the good ones have their 
their band because they're so friggin' tight. Like you, you just mm-hmm. look at like Keith Urban, those guys, not that they're all the same guys now, but even like Jerry Flowers, the bass player, has been with him for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, th- though, you know, new country, like Canadian country artists, a lot of them will just grab anybody that they can at the time. And that's good for the for session guys. Like even look at Stefan now, look where he is. Yeah. Freaking gigging everywhere and being all having a good life and stuff. And we're sitting here in a basement talking to each other. Allegedly li- working in America. We can't say yes. he is because I don't no. know if he's got work papers or not. No, we can't say that. Allegedly, loud. he's in America yeah. in a tour bus somewhere. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> That's all I've heard. <laughs> I can't I can't confirm nor deny, and I don't need to be uh, brought in for questioning yeah. about that at all. Yeah, yeah St- Stefan is just so... Yeah, you're right. He started off just as like this young kid. He was like 21 years, 22 years old, playing in the Pistols. And like, yeah, I knew he sort of had, had it in him. You know what I mean? And the thing about pickup bands is that... They might be great musicians, but they also have to be a good hang. And Stefan's both yes. of those. He's both of those. And hundred percent. And he's he's really good at both of them. Um Yes. We've had bands that like with the small town pistols where we've flown in. <clears throat> I just can't relate to the people that are playing in the band. You know, whatever yeah. city we're in. Like we got real lucky. We had like Tyler Dinaki and we have Kirby and Amber out in the West Coast, and they're our West Coast band. And they're Amazing people. Phenomenal. Yeah. Amazing people. Tyler didn't do that. Actually, Dinaki didn't do <clears throat> that Big Valley Jamboree. We had another yeah, guy. One of his buddies, right? Yeah. He's good, too. Justin saying. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. And, you know, for us to keep Justin, too, in that, to keep him flying in and with us, is such a game, like, such a, it just holds it together. Like, it's the, it's the band that everybody knows. It's the yeah. consistency we need. We tried it a few times to have, like, a, a guy... And they're great, great, great players, but yeah, they weren't Justin. Yeah, and that's the, that's the key. That's the backbone, right? Mm-hmm. That that seems to be. I mean, good drummers can come in and, and make it a gig, but it's not the same. It's not the same thing. And and you're right. As as part of the of the the um, enterprise, it's it's good to have people that you can first off go to sound check and have a good time with, yeah. and then also after the gig is over you know, at least hang around and chat and get along with. Cause then otherwise you're like, Oh, well, all right. See ya. Another day at the office. Check it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And just, Justin and I hung out more on this, this trip we did out in big Valley Jamboree. You guys are roomies. Yeah. Yeah. We're roomies. And like, just like, he's such a good soul because like as, as working for a band, as you're like a crew of one where you're not only doing sound, but you're teching an acoustic guitar you're getting people into vans and on stage. And, and, and I think Justin understands that because like I go to do merch. He goes, I'll come with you. I'm like, you don't have to do that. And he goes, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. So, you know what I mean? So like, he's more than willing to hang out and do, you know what I mean? And do what's right, you know, and, and, and just, just sort of like be a part of it, you know? And yeah. at the end of it all, we go to count it out. We had a couple of drinks, walked around, take a look at the place, you know, had some great conversation and, and then went and cashed the merch out and then had a few more drinks. And then, you know what I mean? So it was one of those, oh, that was a good day. That turned into a really good day, you know? So Yeah, he, he's a, he's an easy hang, right? He's the Absolutely. kind of guy that you just like, he'll do whatever. And it's never, it's never a thing. You know what I mean? It's always, he's always just super chill about everything. Yeah. That's yeah, what you got to have around. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think he'd like to play more, but obviously there's, 
there's not a lot of playing going on anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's everything's kind of slowed down for these for the for the bands he's been in. You know, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, it's it's an interesting. Uh, it's an, I think we've had conversations when it comes about the, how the Pistols work and. They're just good people, and that's all they care about is the music, and they care about that part, you know what I mean? And it's almost like good that they, in a way that it'll take a very long time for someone to realize that, hey, that was the right way to do it, I think. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, how much fun did we have? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And I think that was cool. That was that was cool. When people realize yeah. that, oh, it's a tough racket being in a band, it's a tough racket promoting yourself in a band it's a tough job to do and it's it's disheartening and it's scary and it's you're putting your life on the line and you're putting your your pocketbook on the line to put art out to people yeah hell yeah like take it for the fact that it's art first and that's what they right. do and I, I really appreciate that part of it the business part of me goes well you could probably work a little harder but at the same time you can't rush this stuff and i get it and i fully subscribe to that idea you yeah. know what I mean? You also have to surround yourself with with the right people as well because if if you think you can do it all on your own, you're sadly mistaken because you can't like any any enterprise, any any juggernaut of a of an artist had somebody or something helping them. Yeah. Of course, if you're looking at them as an artist and 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 them being talented, you know, that could be their bus they're driving, but helping like you said trying to get them into a van trying to make sure they get to the signing where is the signing where's the merch table mm -hmm. do you have your merch <laughs> what time are you on stage like all of that all that stuff comes from a group of people who care for one thing i mean there's there's always money exchanged and it's a job mm -hmm. but at the same time the, the good people stick around because they care to make sure that you know your gig goes well mm -hmm. um and it and it also takes all that garbage off of their plate, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure like when you start to do, when you do gigs with other people helping, you know, that's another level of, of ease for you because you can focus on the tour managing side of things. Yeah. But then also worry about mixing front of house. You don't have to worry about like pushing them on stage, making sure that, you know, teching an acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. pulling a Tom off the stage, like all that kind of stuff. And and that's and that's sort of like I know it's very specific to the stuff that we've done together, but it's very if you look at it globally for for a team of people, that's really what it takes. And I think that a lot of artists that kind of like start out small and they make their way, you know, first off you have to have good music. That's not really part of the argument. It's that if you have a team that's willing to help you, it really lets you drive and you focus on the music part and then let the people that you've hired who are good at those other things drive that other part of the bus for you so yeah it's 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 hard to find people that are that are willing to do that that's that's not just about the money because you can pay anybody to do anything in, mm -hmm. in reality you can pay anybody to do anything for a sum of money but there's that extra level of somebody who's who you get paid x dollars but you take it above that level because you actually give a shit about it and that kind of stuff and i, I don't know if that's why a lot of touring stuff has kind of fallen off because everybody we we started this you know this conversation off with talking about being busy you know everybody's busy and have lives and in order to make lives you have to make money but if you're not making enough money you can't do the things and it's just like this vicious cycle so a lot of people don't have the drive to do more than what they get paid 
you know, and that's, and that, that might be hurting a lot of things at this point. I'm sure you see it a lot. Yeah. At Richmond, right? Totally. Totally. There's a part in life where the, the, the means don't, the, the work doesn't make a means to an end. So therefore, if you are a honeymoon suite, let's say, use them as an example. They got wave babies. I heard that today. Song sucks. But <laughs> so just my opinion. I'm sorry, Honeymoon Suite fans, if you think that Wave Babies is a fantastic song, but that song fucking sucks. Uh, so they got Wave Babies. They got a couple other songs. They got a set, you know, maybe an hour of songs that they can do. But do you think for a second Honeymoon Suite's going to go back in the studio and do Wave Babies 2 and they're going to do Burning in Love 2? Um, no, they're not going to do that. They're just going to keep playing Wave Babies. They're just going to keep playing, uh, you know, Burning in Love and all the other, um, uh, New Girl Now. And, you know, and just a true right. testament of me knowing all these songs means that, yes, they had a part of, in my life as a, as a band or whatever, or as a group of individuals and artists where they made an impact on society. But that's it. That was their time. Their time was a yep. certain time. They wrote the theme song to Lethal Weapon. You know what I mean? Like, they right. had, the, you know what I mean? Right. They yeah. could have been Bon Jovi big, man. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but it, did, it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had all the right team in place. And they had everybody, you know, they had everybody, this group of this juggernaut was moving along and rolling along. And now they're playing some shitty club in Kingston and singers wearing a Cosby sweater. And that's sad. <laughs> Is it the Cosby sweater part of it or the yeah. fact they're playing it at club? Based on the it. past couple of years of what's happened, yeah. Back then, maybe the so. Cosby sweater would have been okay. But even then, exactly. I remember yes. laughing I about it. I was laughing because I did did one show for Honeymoon Suite, and I think I've already told the story. Did I think have I told you the story? The Honeymoon Suite Possible. story? Where uh, the, the couldn't, same thing, he, Derry couldn't make his guitar amp work, and he wouldn't let me try and help him. I was told to show up at like noon because loading was like noon and like there was nobody there at the venue until like at six at night. Wow. So I just sat there and, and then, so he couldn't get his shit to work. And in Aero, or um, April Wine were playing like the bigger place. So there was nobody at the honeymoon suite show. And um, the singer from honeymoon suite was wearing like this very Cosby esque sweater. I'm sure it was very nice back in like whatever it was. But it was very funny. And the, the keyboard player and I, like, it was a shambles of a show. It was a horrible show. And uh, I think I was trying to, for some reason, these, these you know, those fine-tuning Andy oh, yeah. Bar guitars. Stuff. What yeah. happened was one of the tuning heads slipped off where the where it was supposed to fine-tune it. So I was sitting there turning it all day long, and it was stripped and wasn't tuning. So I had to get another. Wave Babies is a different tuning. I didn't, not a lot of people know that. But okay. it does. It does a specific tuning. So I, I couldn't tune the Wave Babies. And and it's like, Wave Babies is coming up. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do. And he had like eight guitars. So I'm like, I'm going to take this one because it doesn't, it has like a, it's a Les Paul. It has no locking stuff on it. And I'm going to do Wave Babies. I'm going to tune the Wave Baby, Babies tuning with this whatever guitar. So they're like, all of a sudden, like Wave Babies came way too fast. And I'm like, not ready to tune it yet. Like, oh, shit. The Wave Babies song. So he's like, give me the guitar. I'm like, uh, um, <laughs> dead air. There's like 20 people in the crowd. I'm like, uh, there's something wrong with the guitar. I can't get it to tune. I'll tune this Les Paul. Play a song and then I'll, I'll have it ready the next song. He goes, okay. 
Like, uh, give him the guitar. I tuned it wrong. You know, I fucked it up because I was like stressing. I was like, sharp. right, of course. It wasn't yeah. the Wave Babies tuning. It was the Wave Babies tuning with like an extra sharp in there somewhere. So he goes to play the bum, bum. Oh. <laughs> so anyways oh, it's pay no. time it's pay time i gotta get paid and i'm like this dude's gonna punch me in the face i don't think yeah. he's even gonna pay me so yeah. i go hey man i'm really sorry i, I fucked your show up i'm really ba- i feel really bad and he gives me my money and i go fuck you must hate me <laughs> so it's like looking at him like you must really really hate me right now and i'm really sorry so anyways i took all that and i gave the keyboard player a ride back to toronto it was in kingston and all the way home the re- most redeeming part of it is the keyboard player and I laughed our asses off all the way from when we got on the 401 to when we got to Toronto about Amazing. how horrible that show was. Like yeah. everything about that show was started the, off wrong just, st- yeah. from the get go. Like yeah. that was 12 hours of wrong. Just everything nice. was wrong. Yeah. And just bad thing. Like he brought, he brought like, it's in the club, a little tiny club, half the size of this room in Kingston. And he brought four, four by 12 cabinets <laughs> of which one was working and he brought one of those rolling stereo you know those clean amps oh yeah yeah yeah. so yeah, he brought yeah, that yeah. too so so there's nowhere to put anything right so i'm like dude you can't set all this up there's no space for four four twelve cabinets that's where that's the whole stage it's not gonna fit yeah he's getting super pissed off <laughs> oh man what a nightmare what a bad show so I'm sorry, Honeymoon Suite. I had to tell you that story about Honeymoon Suite, but uh, I think Wave Babies today really kind of kicked it off a little little trigger action. Like, oh shit, what was that tuning again? I don't even remember what it was, but it was something silly and something really not that worth it. Like if you looked at the way he played it, it's like that does nothing. There's no reason for him to to go that to go that to that drastic. extreme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To tune, you, you could you could play it in, in open, or you could play it in standard tuning and just move your hands differently totally absolutely yeah. yeah if if you were yeah <laughs> hey man it would whatever jived the songwriting really in the end mm-hmm. you know i only have one weird tuning song that i have wrote that i wrote instead of i tune the d to a c sharp and okay I so you're all the way down don't even oh, the know d, oh the, the the third d or the yeah second the d, d yeah sorry. the d the in the middle yeah the, yeah. the, the d string to a c sharp and for some okay. reason so i could play on the fifth fret and then when I put my finger where on the on the fourth fret, it made this really cool chord. That's okay. the only reason why. And I did drop D two at the same time, okay. so it was this weird. So it had a good good ring to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's open chord kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So are you doing any writing? I, I am. Yeah, here and there. I mean, nothing that's exciting or useful or whatever. It's just, um, just to keep doing it. I, I again, it's it, trying to find the time to to do it is is one thing, but. Uh, um i have well i gave you that uh that f- folder full of crap that i didn't know what to do with but i've i just you know you get to a point where you know i'm not a i'm not a melody writer by any means so that's sort of where a song falls apart for me at that point i get mm-hmm. I, I can get the riffs going and i can get get something together that i feel like a melody could come from but anytime i anytime i try to write a melody to it it's it, to me it just seems like that's it's so friggin' obvious and so boring. Mm-hmm. And that's really where it falls apart is that it has this cool ass riff and you know, the, the, the song sounds good. It's really w- well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I try to like write my own melody on top of it, I'm like, wow, that's the most boring generic, <laughs> you know, it feels like I'm back in, in high school again, trying to write a song. And so, so I just kind of like, I just leave things without that kind of shit. Cause it's just, it's depressing. Cause you spent all this time, 
putting all these you know these drum parts and these guitar parts and bass parts together and then try to put this cheap ass melody on top of it and it just yeah. <laughs> ruins the song so yeah. i i only i only i try to stay away from that and and that's not i mean that's if you really look at it that's not really songwriting in the end if you don't have all the parts together i don't really i'm not very good at songwriting by myself i've never been a a guy who could do all the parts by himself because i feel like i'm more of a guy who could be in a band and and feed off of other guys or girls and and make make a song like it, yeah. it, to me it's not as exciting for me to write my own song and then play it for you it's actually worse for me to play you a song that i just wrote because i'm like all i'm thinking about is how much you hate what i've done and how <laughs> you know like all you want is praise and you know that like any praise that's coming is is just because you have to at that point but when you're writing a song with at least one other person you're feeding off each other yeah and at the end of it when you're you know that euphoric feeling when you're done that writing that song yeah and you're sitting there like oh my god this is amazing and yeah. you both have that feeling because you both have told each other that this is amazing. Yeah. You can't have that as a, as a, like, as a soul songwriter. And I know that there's lots of people out there that are soul songwriters and they're fantastic and they can, they can deal with that because they either have thicker skin than I do or probably 100% more talented than I am. But no, no, I don't think it's so. It's just not for me. It's I think it's when you, cause I, I, I have been that guy that does all like plays the drums, write the vocal melodies, write the, the guitars, right? The bass, put this demo together, give it to the band, then we record it. I've been that guy. But part of me now, I mean, the reason, the reason I think I found a key, I found some sort of combination. Uh, somehow I figured it out that the, how a song begins to how the song is finished, I keep that motivation going. And right. as I get older, I find that harder to do. I find it harder to, uh, to be more confident with what I'm doing nor do I say, if I put all this work and effort in this, I love doing this podcast, then the podcast will suffer. If I really try to, you know what I mean? Like, I, I see I, what you're saying. There's yeah. certain things, there's like only so many priorities that you are extra. You can focus yourself. You can yeah. do for yourself. Yeah. So for me, the, the fact, and it's funny, I was talking to like Mark Belkey from SNFU about this, and we came to this point where it's like, well, writing songs, well, why bother? <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds <laughs> it sounds super pessimistic, and but if you're going to do it, you should do it with a full hearted, like, hurrah, let's do this. And exactly. So, so I figured out what I'm going to do for my next, like, I even wrote this thing. I wrote some stuff with Connor from Boys Night Out and my buddy, uh, Mike from Cheap Suits. And you were part of it. We we're doing, yeah. it was a couple of years ago yeah. now. And it just hit a brick wall. Cause it's like, well, it's more of a band and the bass pair kind of lives out in Hamilton and, and I'm out here and Connor's out that way and Mike's out somewhere west west end of Toronto somewhere. We're not going to get together. We're not going to fucking jam this. We're not going to play any shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we do, it so might be one show. So and I, and yeah. I get that for the reason that it's, that's the fun part. What I want to do for my next thing, and I want maybe you to be a part of it if you wanted to be, is to just go to a place that's a room with a mic and some amps and a drum kit and say, what do you got? And just spending half a day or three hours working on something. And by the end of that three hours, there's something. Whether it yeah, be just, just fucking one song. You, loser with with no intention of like, yeah. we're going to be a band and do shows right now, but just write a song. Yeah, have something and demo it and do it live off the floor and just you know, have the, the backbone of it and go, 
and, and then go from there. You know what I mean? Because that means if I'm playing guitar and you're playing guitar, that we can write stuff together. It can happen right then and there. There's no like, um, let's, let's do what I always do. There's like, have a conversation about it. And if we sit around the space and not play a note and talk more than we play, you're not getting shit done. Yeah. I mean, I, but I'm okay with it almost. I'm like, the music part is the part that comes out of it through conversation, through collaboration. And if you collaborate with a band and a bunch of people who already know how to play, you know, the rewarding part is, and the easy part should be just coming up with a song, you know? Right. It, and I think that that's why any band that you've ever been in, and, and I'm sure anybody that's ever been in a band, at one point in, in that band's career, songwriting was easy. Mm-hmm. It was, everything was flowing because you just already knew the things you needed to do. Like, think about the first album you ever wrote with X band. It yeah. doesn't even matter which of the bands. That first album was probably, you probably had 10 songs within the first three months you were together because yeah. you just ideas were flowing out because you finally had an outlet that yeah. you could just put your one quarter of whatever if you're in a four piece you have your one quarter of something and i'm putting it into this and i can actually rely on three quarters of other humans to put this together yeah that are very like-minded and that's why i mean bands gel is because you can tell in the first rehearsal if something's not going to work so if you're in that three month period and you go and you're writing all these songs it just ends up like just completely flowing and that's that's the that's the fun part of songwriting for me Mm -hmm. not the sitting here and bashing my head against the wall about writing something right yeah. even just like just recently I, I um helped my cousin write a song for her friend that was getting married and she her gift to her friend who she was a maid of honor and she her gift to her friend was a song so she turned to me and 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 i helped her write it and and that for me was fun because there's no pressure on me to 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 do something because it's not like i'm writing the song and then you just go perform it it's we collaborated together and it made it easy because she knew what she wanted. I had an idea of where she wanted to go with it. And then we just collaborated and made it work. Whereas if I was to, to write that song myself and give it to her to do whatever she wanted to do with it, I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the collaboration portion of it is. And I think that for me, not that I'm a songwriter that you can write home to, or, you know, I just, that's the way I like to write songs. And that's what makes me happy is doing it with somebody else because you have somebody else to share it with. And then it's sort of like their two friends tell their two friends. And they're, you know what I mean? Like if it's just me telling my friends, you know, law of averages is that, you know, maybe two people will actually enjoy it. And one of those people will tell somebody else about it. Whereas like if two people are super jazzed about it, they're going to tell everybody that they know. And yet usually you have, you have like-minded friends, you have other friends in the same circle and they, you know, they listen to it together and it just, that's how that kind of thing blossoms. And I just know that any band that I've ever been in, that's how that stemmed. Like, obviously you start your fan base is 100% your friends. It's usually how it all starts. You have mm-hmm. your friends are your fan base and it blossoms from there. And that's really, you know, anytime that I've ever had fun being a songwriter was been with a group of people because you have that euphoria of like, here are the songs that we put our heart and soul into and other people actually like them. Yeah, totally. Totally. What the hell's the point? Like, yeah, for me, I don't, there's no point in me writing a song unless somebody else hears it and likes it. Because if somebody, if I write a song and somebody else hears it and doesn't like it, well, I just <laughs> wasted my time because yeah. it's sure as hell not for me. I mean, some people say that they write songs for them, but 
in, in reality, I do it because I like to do it, but it's not because I want to hear me do a song, you know, a whole album of just me. It's a bit on the narcissistic side. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get why songwriters write for themselves, but at the same time, you're still writing songs so other people can hear it. They can hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, can't, you don't write poems to yourself. You write poems to somebody else to read it. Right. It's yeah. It's the same idea. You don't paint something for your house. You paint something for other people to see your painting in your house. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting. Yeah, it's totally true, and I totally, I hundred percent agree with you. the The thing that you know, when 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 we did the first Foursquare record, there was sort of this sort of like, um, here's the big plan. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go lose some weight, and you're going to go learn how to sing. That's the first thing. That's the first thing you need to do. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. When I am tw- whatever I was, I was thirty, I was twenty nine or thirty maybe at the time. I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. I'll lose some weight, learn how to sing, sure, write some songs. And then, so, but I was told that, you know, there's a certain game that needs to be played here. My big regret was listening to every single thing and not like standing up and go, well, wait a minute, hold on, that's just silly. You know what I mean? Like, there's a better way to do this. And there's like, I, I'm not, maybe that's what happened is that reason some people left the band is because it's like, hold on, guys, this is my band. I write the songs. I've done all the things you want me to do. I've done. I've lost the weight. I've figured out how to sing. I've written great, what I think to be pretty good songs. Um, we've put a record out. Now what? You know, it's coming out on some labels. And then what? What really happened? The the result was of of starting a new band with a different drummer and different bass player, keeping the same guitar player friend of mine, who who's been you know my best friend for so many years. What happened was we wrote two great records. At that, but back to back, you know what I mean? As a band, you know what yeah. I mean? So when we would write, we would we would jam it out. And, and, we, and it was usually me and my guitar player friend Al was like the other part of it, you know what I mean? That would sort of lyrically make me sound smarter and, and, and give it some weight and some, some sort of um, uh, imagery rather than just me, here's the wall, there's a wall over there, <laughs> there's a pillow, put it together, hey, don't you get it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a silly stream of consciousness, bullshit lyrics, but he made it worth it, you know what I mean? He gave it something, and some some sort of depth and weight, and we, we put two great records out, you know, and then he quit, my buddy Al quit, and then I did another record on my own, and it was like, it was still equally as fun. But at the same time, you could feel that was like, oh, this is my record. You know what I mean? I'm just calling in this band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, it's it's right. all me. But and, and then from there, I was like, what I'm it t- that was a long time ago now. But but what I'm I think what I'm trying to say is that I've come to this circle where it's like, if we sit in a room and talk about our kids and then play some music and enjoy the fact that we're playing music with each other, that's all I need. Yeah, that's I all agree. I need. I don't need yeah. the Bon Jovi making it bullshit i don't need because there was like there were signs where it's like hey man you guys can get a major label if you want you know and i actually had a guy in germany going uh hey uh we're you know do you want to be on emi records i'm like uh well we just got this one record deal in sweden like why would i leave this good thing he goes that's totally understandable but if you want to leave just let me know you know and cut to four years later i'm like hey is that deal still happening he's like no man i'm not even a part of that thing anymore like he's not even an a and r guy anymore but he loved this second Foursquare record so much that he was willing to steal us, you know, to put really? it out. And, you know, I did the right thing. I stuck with the people that had put their money on the line to help this band right. out. And I feel good about it. 
You, had, didn't sell, you didn't sell your soul to, no. to just get ahead. Had we left that label being there, they basically flew us over to Europe to play shows. You know, that was sort of like, that was their contribution for us as a, as a signing bonus to, to play in Europe. I'm like, who am I to say, ah, fuck that, go, fuck those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you done for me lately? You know, well, we flew you to Europe well, we, and we gave yeah, you your record we, advance in total in cash just now. Yeah, but you know what? This guy is offering me this record deal, you know? And he's he's from EMI. He's from EMI. You know, what are you going to do? But that doesn't mean, like, I mean, at that point, it didn't mean shit. No. Who knows? He's from EMI. They probably have some backing, but who knows how you'd sell. Yeah. Yeah, you got to stick with what's uh, what's there, what's in your hand. You know, yeah, also... You'd probably feel like a huge dick by this point, right? You'd, oh. you'd live with that, right? Oh, totally. <clears throat> Especially if the EMI thing took a shit, right? Yeah, because you would, you just, you just screwed over this label that spent so much time and money on you, and yeah. now you have nothing <laughs> to come with it, anyways. Yeah. Karma's a bitch, so absolutely. You know, and so that you know, like I said, in, in hindsight, that's one of those decisions I made in life. Where it's like, had I made the short-term knee-jerk reaction move. And got off that tour and came home and said, you know what, guys, this isn't working out. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I'd still be sitting here and I'd still be talking to you, and the same results would have still happened. But you would have pissed off more people. I would have pissed off point. more people. Yeah, and at yeah. that point, you're like, you know what? I just, I just want to get along with people. You know what I mean? Like, I, when you're 30 and you're in a band, you go, that's it. That's all. That's the rest. That's the last chance you have. Yeah. You know, exactly. to, to to do something with. Um, uh, that could have a lasting result. So, yeah, you don't see you don't see many forty year old first time signing musicians at this. That'd point. be funny though. It'd be really cool. Like, so they, like, they, they wouldn't have kids. They I'd couldn't say, figure out when to practice. Like, they'd be, <laughs> so uh, so you guys want to come to Europe and play? Some, uh what date? Oh no, my kids got a Wiggles. Soccer, it's a Wiggles soccer time, tournament, and you know I got to drive all the kids and. You know, yeah, I love soccer. Soccer's great, you know. Yeah, but now nah, maybe you know, maybe we'll do Europe next year. How next about that? Year, yeah. Do you want to do yeah, that? Yeah. You got to get it in between Magic Kingdom <laughs> and camping with the grandparents. If you could somehow finagle a show around going to Disneyland around that <laughs> thing around that time, the, I would be more than happy to uh, to adhere to your silly rules. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I just that that seems like a hilarious. I don't know story book podcast about 40 year old musicians trying to figure out how to hell to get together at one point how to just practice the in the same room how do yeah. we do that like my god it's 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 you know i you know it's we're in this cover band together and i am like beside myself because i'm like really like i i don't feel any anger i just like i'm like just so confused as to how yeah. hard it is for this to happen and it's, I don't blame funny. anybody. I don't, I'm not no. mad. I'm not like, ang I have no remorse. And to me, it's like, um, just tell me what's going on. <laughs> let, let me know when to show up and yeah. how to show up. The 20 yeah. year old in me is, is screaming inside because it's right, like, of course, but, but the 48 year old in me is like, yep, that's just the way it that's goes. Life, man. That's life. <laughs> that's the way Try to goes. get four, four dudes together who all have jobs full-time jobs at the same time yeah three three of us have or five dudes and three of us have kids yeah try to get all the schedules together especially in the summertime yeah. right that's the hardest part but anyways that i digress um i'm gonna have to cut us off my friend daddy dare has you? to get up early what? and go to his real big boy job i know I just, we could talk for hours i just got warmed up no, i know i know you didn't even hit record yet i know i should record <laughs> it now 
No, man. <laughs> well, hey, man, I love you. I want you to. I do love you too, yeah, bro. I want you to. Uh, We'll figure out what we're gonna do. I'm going on. I'm going camping. I'm coming back. So maybe we'll see each other on Saturday next week or something. To well, maybe. I'd hope so because that's that's the gig. <laughs> isn't it Saturday? Isn't it a Sunday the gig or it's Saturday the it's gig? It's the second. It's a it's second. A sun, it's a Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that'll be. No, oh, you're right. It's the it's second the is the Sunday. Yeah. Oh, the second is the Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it was a Saturday. Oh, okay, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. So I think we might pull a rehearsal on the Saturday before the night before. So yeah, that might work. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, but yeah, it might no, not. Like, it's probably it not going to. Fucking, who not knows? I have no idea. That's probably why I was like, "Well, why are we having a rehearsal the day like the hours before the gig?" Now I get that it's on the Sunday. If somebody it tells I was me the first note of every song, I think I'm gonna be okay. Well, you at least know all the keys. Sure, I do. Yeah, then that's all that matters <laughs> at this point. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Sure, you know. We'll figure keys. it out. Keys. Yeah. Um, so okay, so where are you going camping? Going up to Penetanguishene, up to Owenda Provincial Park. Wow, it's a beautiful little, beautiful place up there. Tent, tent in it? Yeah, but we might we might not go because the weather's gonna be so goddamn shitty. Or this next next week, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow's gonna be like rain, and there's gonna be heat heat warning. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, we were actually looking online for like somewhere else to go, like somewhere where it's not so shitty, like maybe fly to somewhere, you know? But, really? Yeah, because it's just it's my holiday. It's the week. That's all I got really until Christmas. So. It's oh, like, shit, yeah. So, and we, last year we, we went out to uh, PEI and back on a road trip and it was the best, but, uh, we got good weather too. So yeah, I'm just, I think we might just, uh, might stay home tomorrow if the rain's too bad. We haven't that even packed sucks, the car. Dude. I know. That sucks. I'm, I'm just looking at like up our trailer way. What, uh, what it's like out that way. It's going to be bad. No, no, mm-hmm. just cloud. Oh, thunderstorms at 5 PM, 51%. Yeah, you're fucking. You're right, man. <laughs> Cloudy, dude. We we were on vacation. It's probably a month now. The only the only week this summer. You know, the only week this summer it's been shitty the entire week. That was our yeah, vacation. Yeah. We were up at the trailer yeah. and it rained the entire fucking week. Uh, it's awesome. Anyways, so I feel your pain, bro. Yeah. So, anyways, but, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah. So let's keep in touch. I got my phones. Sure. I got my phones. Oh yeah. I got this phones. one. I got this one. We have two phones. One's work and one's play. I'm that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I'm a working work and play guy too. Do you put them on your belt? No. Good Are for you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. One stays in my backpack. Yeah. That like my work backpack, and then one I carry in my pocket because I don't I don't tell anybody my cell phone my work cell phone number. Yeah. That's a good move. Nobody called me. Mine's on my, <laughs> my mine's on my work email um signature, but nobody calls me. They just send me emails. They just call my landline. Yeah. And I Nobody do. wants to talk on the phone anymore anyway. So know, that, that's the good part I like about it. Like how cool was it back in the day? You just go, hey man, what's up? And you're like, pretty good. Okay, let's solve this problem. Great. Okay, see ya. And then it's like fucking email after email after email. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it. DeVries is my only friend that yeah. calls me. Yeah. And Sharp. But yeah, Sharp will call me. But DeVries, like out of all my friends I've known the longest, he is the only one that we never, like we barely text. Mm-hmm. He'll call me and we'll talk for an hour, but we'll like barely text all week. Yeah. Because he's, he's he doesn't want to waste time. He's the yeah, man. man. Yeah, for sure. All right, brother. Thank you so much for Kay. for setting this shite up. Yeah. And uh, cool. we'll talk this week for sure. Okay, buddy. Take Hopefully, it, it gets better. Yeah. yeah. Later. Ciao. Love you, brother. And that was Mr. Greg Bolton on the Apple Podcast. He was a great guest. Always has been a great guest and a good guy to speak to on all sorts of crazy things. Fun times. Um, thanks, Greg, for doing the show. Thanks, everybody, for helping the show out with Amazon. That's pretty important. 
helps the show out, actually. It costs you no extra money. Go to applelog.ca slash Amazon or applelog.ca slash Amazon. Help the show out, you punk. And thanks to everybody on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash if you want to support the show on a monthly basis. Don't forget about BetterHelp, betterhelp.com slash Apolog, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Apolog, A-P-O-L-O-G-U-E. Yeah, so everybody, thanks for supporting the show. Next week, I don't know how I have next week because I haven't recorded one, but I plan to, and I'm planning, it's going to be awesome. So we'll see you next week on episode 198, knocking on the door of 200, 200 episodes. Yeah, that's great. Everybody, bye.